Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. So I want to just chat to you a little bit about uh, baptism. Now, I've got a little bit of a different scripture to read uh, this morning. I want to read from Ecclesiastes. This is in the Bible, written by the guy by the name of Solomon, and it's chapter 4, verse 9 to 22. Now, all the old people who've been in church many years, and if you've been to any kind of wedding, will know this is a typical wedding scripture. This is what they always read at weddings. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. How can one be warm all alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you guys have heard this before, haven't you? And it's all about weddings, but I've got some questions for you. What happens if you're single? Are you half a person? What happens if you separated or divorced or something has happened in your life? You're a widow. What happens? Are you, are you no longer a person? Or, or is the God God less for you? Well, I, I was looking at this and I thought, mm, is this really what Solomon was meaning about this? And yes, uh, it does mention that two people standing together can help each other and succeed and can help each other in trouble. And yes, it does help you to keep warm at night. Although, I'd like to just add something. In my house... I don't get warm at night, I cook. My goodness, open the windows, fan, take off, and my good, I'm, I'm like to, sleeping next to an f- inferno. <laughs> Solomon, what were you thinking when you wrote those words, warm at night? I've got nothing on there, and she's got the duvet and the blankets and everything, and then she rolls over and wants to cuddle me. Ah, save me. <laughs> my goodness gracious me. That'll teach you for telling them about my sausage rolls. <laughs> yes, this can be applied to marriage. It is nice to have a partner in life, but that's not what Solomon was actually mentioning. I, I went, I've left a gap there because I actually looked at the verse preceding this. And I'd like to read the verse preceding this for you. It says this, There is one without a companion who has neither son nor brother. And in fact, one of the other translations puts it this way, a solitary person, completely alone, no children, no family, no friends. Guys, Solomon was saying these advantages in doing life together. It's not necessarily only about a husband or a wife. It's about doing life in community. That's what it is all about. In fact, when we go back to the Bible where God created a man and woman, and we read the whole story, he actually said these words. God said, it is not good for man to be alone or mankind to be alone. It was talking about companionship. God knows that I needed Claire to annoy, I mean to love me all the time and to look after me and protect me and stuff. It's about having a friend. I don't want to be like Solomon said, alone, without a companion. But that doesn't mean that's the only way. If you're single or you're widowed or something, you can still have a fulfilling and a great life in community because there are advantages when we do life together. That's what church is all about, just by the way. That's why we're here today. We are doing life together. 
And when we come together in this group here, we're able to talk to each other. We're able to share. We're able to eat sausage rolls. In this church, we eat sausage rolls regularly. <laughs> we, we, we have lemon drizzle cake in this church. <laughs> we have great biscuits and tea and coffee because we like to do life together. It's fun doing stuff together. Have you ever been on a holiday and you find you've got no one to tell about? It's quite boring. You need to take a photograph and tell somebody. That's why Facebook and all these Twitter things are so successful. Uh, not Twitter things, uh, uh, Instagram things. Is that what they do? Yeah, they, they take, put it out on those things. Why? You need to tell somebody you want to do life in community. But sometimes, even in a big church like this, we can get lost. And sometimes you can even feel lonely in a group of people. So what we do in this church, and lots of churches do this, we actually meet midweek in a small group. On a Wednesday night or a Thursday night or some day in the week, we get together, and you heard this testimony of Chris, how she had, uh, who was at Mary in her group, and they, they bonded, they chatted together. Because it's great to do life in small groups. Because in small groups, they can talk to each other. They can help you when you fall. We can counsel each other, and it's better to be together. I would like to suggest to you, when you join into a small group of Christian friends, Solomon is saying two is then better than one. Instead of just being alone, two of you or a group of you together, two, you and a group is better than being by yourself. Have you ever tried to play golf by yourself? Well, it's not much fun, is it? <laughs> You're wrecking my sermon, Bill. You're supposed to say, you can't do it. <laughs> Who is going to see when you get a hole in one? You need somebody to see the hole in one. Am I right? You also don't want them to see when you hit like a triple eagle, a bogey or something like that. I agree. You and a small group can help each other when you fall down. You can defend each other when you're under attack. You can keep warm when it's cold, not as a group. I've gone to some groups and they give me great hot chocolate or a soup or something like that and it warms me up. But here's the problem. Solomon said, when you fall down. He didn't say if you fall down. In life, every single one of us, we're going to fall down. But you see, I don't want anyone to know that I've fallen down because actually I'm a man and men don't get lost. Men don't have bad days. Men don't cry. So we've been taught all of this, and sometimes we, we don't want to acknowledge. We're self-made. We're proud. We don't want to owe anyone anything. We don't want to be viewed as weak. So we go it alone. We don't tell anyone when we're going through a hard time. Is that right? Or is it just me? We tell each other that we're fine when, in fact, we're panicking inside. We tell everyone that the situa situation is under control when in fact it's not. We don't even know what to do next. We tell others that we're going to be okay, but all we really would like is someone to listen to us and give us some advice and help us. I'd like to suggest to you, you and a small group, two is better than being one alone. So I've got four points for you. When you join your groups, why don't you talk to each other? Share your feelings with one another, your thoughts, your plans. Hey, you could even share some of your anxieties and some of the challenges that you face. Share with them and let somebody else walk with you and come alongside you. The second thing I'd like you to do is please don't compete with each other. 
I was talking to someone recently, and you, online you might know these people because I, you, I think you're watching. Have you ever heard the family friend or someone like it, and they got the plus one story? Like I'll come out and say, um, I had a sausage roll, and they say, I had two. <laughs> and then you'll say, I went on a holiday. I went for two weeks. And, and I'll say, I had a staycation. I went to... Have, have you ever heard that? There's a competition. Somebody out there wants to be one better than you. Hey, guys, in a small group, that isn't great. You don't need to have the best story in the room. It's all about listening to a friend. And some of us need to also watch out. You're hogging the show. It's not all about you. There's other people in the room too. So it's all about listening to each other and giving each other space to share and talk together. The third thing I want to say is protect each other and defend each other. People in your small group, stick up for them. When they put something out on uh, social media or WhatsApp, they say, hey, you in your group, why don't you like it? You don't have to come, well, I heard that like five years ago. Come on, give them a smile, give them a funny face or whatever it is and say, go, I love that. Encourage, defend each other, protect each other. Because you and a small group is better than being alone. Lastly, believe the best of each other. That's a tough one. Have you seen some of the so-and-sos in my group? (laughs) No. Give each other some space and believe the best of them, not the worst about them. Solomon kind of like loses the plot here. He says it's good for two, to, two is better than one. He says protect each other, look after each other, keep other. And then all of a sudden he changes tic tacs. He adds this last verse. Right at the end he says three is even better than two. A three braided cord is not easily broken. Now I just wanted to show you I brought some cord along with me. Here's me and my small group. There's two of us. He's saying add a third. You see if I took one string by itself I might if I was strong be able to break it. If I put two together, it's going to be really hard to break. But if you add a third, it's going to even be stronger, isn't it? You all know that three braided together, you aren't going to break it easily. I think Solomon there is saying, add God to the equation. So I was going to get a third string to add it, but strings are kind of wishy-washy, just like me. Have you noticed a little jelly? Sometimes we have bad days. Woo, I've got a bit of wobbly. You go to the doctors and you get a bad report. Woo, you had a bad day. And I, I couldn't do that to Jesus. I, I think he's strong. So what I did is I found a stick. Because I think that stick represents Jesus. What Solomon is saying is you and a small group, why don't you add Jesus into that group? There we go. Look at that. Me, my small group, and Jesus. You see, Jesus is strong. You're not going to break him. So when you're having a wobbly, he can come alongside and he can help you. He can pick you up when you fall. You need Jesus. And so does your small group. needs Jesus. Do you agree? I would like to say to you, two is good. Three is even better. You, God, and your small group, three is better than two. You know what I'd like to suggest? Talk to each other? Yes. But why don't you talk with God? Because he actually understands. Sometimes your small group might not even understand, but God does. Yes, don't compete with each other, but don't compete with God either. Sundays 
You go to church. Don't compete. Don't put another booking on a Sunday morning. You're going to church. I'm going to go do God. I'm going there. Or my small group on a Wednesday night. No. My small group comes first. Yeah. I'm going to put that aside because I want to focus on that. I've got my priorities straight. Don't compete. Protect and defend each other. Yes, protect your quality time with God too. When you read your Bible, when you pray, make that highest priority in your day. Don't compete with God. Protect your time with Him. Believe the best of each other. But maybe you need to believe the best of God too. Some of us are blaming Him for somebody who's died in our lives. A bad thing that happened to you and you're blaming God. You need to start to say, "Ah, it's the devil who's bad and God is good. You need to know the difference. The devil is a bad devil and God is a good God. Do you want to try that with me? Say that. The devil is a bad devil. Say it. The devil is a bad devil. And God's a good God. But here's the problem. Sometimes I go to the doctor. I've added God to my life. And the doctor says, Wayne, I've got some bad news for you. And I go, and I get all jelly. Even though God's with me. And I'm having a real bad day, even though God's with me. All of a sudden, I lose my job. Oh, I've got no money coming. What am I going to do? What am I gonna... And even with God in your life, you can still have a bad day. And I'd like to explain to you why. You see, here's the problem. You've added God to your life. But Wayne, you told me to add God to my life. I'm telling you not to add him to your life. That's the mistake. Don't add God to your life. God has to be your life. You don't just add him to your life. He has to be number one in your life. You see, at the moment, I'm number one. My small group is number two. And God, you're number three. Turn it around. God has to be number one. You can fight it out with the home group. Who's going to be number two and three? But there's no contest. God has to be number one. I, before I started yelling at people in the church... Um, <laughs> and I apologize if you visit here. I, I'm South African and I can get away with it. Uh, before I did this as for a job, I used to be an engineer. I used to design power stations, transmission lines. My job was to design all those offshore wind farms and get the electricity from the offshore wind farm or the power station to London or where the people are. And it's actually a lot harder than you think because I used to design those beautiful things these pylons and the power lines that run along to actually get the electricity from one spot to the next. And, and so the, I did this for over 30 years. I would design and do a master plan for 20 years, looking at the future. What electricity do we need to plan for? You know, it takes 15 years to build a power station. So you have to plan today for tomorrow's needs. You need to be future-minded, not present-minded. I won't go there. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, I was doing this electricity stuff. And I saw a great example for you. You know, they, we all know that gold is most probably the best conductor of electricity, but you can't afford gold cables and conductors on those power lines. Someone would steal them. Um, so, anyhow, we found the second best solution is aluminium. Aluminium is fantastic to conduct electricity. So most of those cables there are aluminium. But the problem with aluminium is it's soft. How many of you got tinfoil? It's aluminium. It's soft. It's easily bendable. So when you hang them up like this, those huge distances, is over 200 meters or sometimes 400 meters between pylons, it starts to sag. As you can see, some of them, they start to sag. And if it was just pure aluminium, it would sag so much, it would actually touch the ground and electrocute people standing on the ground. So that engineers had a problem. What do we do now? 
we can't just use aluminium. So the, the geniuses, the mechanical engineers, they all thought of, hey, let's replace the conductors with steel. Pure steel. Steel is really strong. It's not going to bend. Our brilliant mechanical engineer, because it weighs an absolute ton. We would need to put a pylon next for every five meters because of the sheer weight of the steel. And steel can't conduct electricity very well. It's not really good. So now we've got a right dilemma. So back to the electrical engineers. Us geniuses figured it all out. What we came up with was this. We surrounded the steel with aluminium, and we found out that electricity actually flows around the outside of the conductor, around the room. That's where the most dense electricity flows. In the middle, there's very little electricity flowing. So we put the steel, one rod normally, a couple like this, in the middle, very lightweight, and we surrounded the outside with the aluminium. See, it's the aluminium that does the work, but it's the steel that gives it the strength. Now, why am I telling you that? To show off how clever electrical engineers are? We are, by the way, but never mind. No. You see, back to my illustration, you've added God to your life. What you've got to do is you've got to wrap yourself around him. And you have to be like that. Aluminium core steel reinforced. ACSR conductor. Now when the problems of life hit, you think, I'm strong because of what's inside. Bad news from the doctor. Ha! I'm strong because of what? It doesn't say that you're not going to have trouble, but you're going to have more strength because God is number one in your life. Does this make sense? Well, you say, Wayne, I'm really confused. This is supposed to be a baptismal service. What on earth does this have to do with baptism? And you people on the front row, uh, thank you for changing so quickly. Your hair looks lovely, by the way. Um, <laughs> What has this got to do with baptism, you might ask? Well, I want to read a verse to you. Peter, the guy in the Bible, one of the guys who was a fisherman, and he wrote these words. He said, Each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These three parts to this verse. You see, the first part says there, you need to repent of your sins. What you're doing there is you, you're adding God to your life. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, I've been doing life all by myself, so I'm not going to add you to my life like this. That's repenting. I was going in the wrong way in my life, but I choose now to follow you. That's repenting. Lord, I've made mistakes. God, I've made mistakes in my life. Please forgive me. That's repenting. It's as simple as that. God, I need you in my life. That's repenting. But Peter goes on. And he says this, you must now repent and then be baptized. Guys, what you've just done now is you've stood up and you said, I'm not just adding God to my life. I am making God number one. Liam, I heard you say those words. You're now going to follow him with all your heart. Helen, I heard you. Mary, I heard you. Some, I heard you say that. You're going to follow Jesus. You're making him number one. Baptism is not just adding God to your life. You see, when they went into the water, it's a symbol of something. Jesus came to this earth, and he died on a cross for you and me. Then he got buried in a tomb for three days. And on the third day, he was raised back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So when we get baptized, we go to the water and we're symbolizing, Jesus, I don't want to die, but you died on my behalf to forgive me of my sins. So I identify with you when you go in. And we go into the water, and that symbolizes when Jesus was in the tomb. And we allow the water to wash over us, symbolizing how our sins have been washed away. Because our repentance, we are now clean as a whistle. God forgives what we've done wrong in the past and says, hey, I can't even remember it anymore. I've forgotten about it. Put it behind us. It's water under the bridge. And then when you come out on the other side, you're declaring, say, I'm not going to live my own life anymore. I'm now going to live the life that Jesus wants for me. So now when you're going to make a decision, you don't just base it on good economics or wisdom. You say, Jesus, what would you like me to do? Because you're making him number one in your life. And then the third part says this, then you'll receive the Holy Spirit, the power. And that's what we were doing earlier when during worship. We're praying that the Holy Spirit fills you from the inside out and reinforces you and gives you that strength. My last verse for today Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul the Apostle says this, For this reason I kneel and I pray to the Father in heaven. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you. The Greek word they strengthen is actually to reinforce you. And I put in brackets, with steel inside. It's going to give you the oomph. It's going to give you the strength that you need for each day. And then he's going to strengthen you with power. Remember, you're the one who's the aluminium. You've got to do the work. You're the one who's surrounded around him. So he's going to give you the power to do that, the electricity. That word power in the original text is a Greek word dunamis, from which we derive the word dynamite. He's going to give us dynamite power to flow through our lives because you've been baptized and you've made him number one in your life. Don't you just bow your heads for please with me. I'm asking you today, Don't just add God to your life. If you went to church once years ago, you might have added him to your life for a day or two. I'm asking you to make him number one in your life and allow his power to come with you.